Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And I need to talk about something. What I've realized, and you just have to accept it, is that the intro is where we come to vent our small, petty frustrations. Mm -hmm. And today it's the fact that the music industry has changed, all right? And the, and we all knew that was happening. TikTok changed it. That's fine. But the thing oh, that TikTok I... TikTok is what changed it. I thought streaming changed yes, it. Yes. Streaming changed it, and then TikTok changed it again. Okay. And so the thing that artists have to do, specifically indie artists, is... Um, for first of all, no one, no indie artists release albums anymore. It's just singles, which mm-hmm. like I'm okay with, really, because after like three or four singles, you essentially have like an LP. Um, quick pause. What's the difference between an LP and an EP? Uh, an LP is uh, a limited play, and an EP is an extended play. So it's just the length of it. And then, <laughs> so it's they're both shorter than an album. Correct. Yes. Okay. Sounds good. Um, but now what you have to do for indie artists is, uh, they all want you to pre-save their song to kind of like, it's like, you're basically pre-ordering a song, but like, you're not paying anything for it. So you basically, you're like, this is my Spotify account and I want to pre-save this song by Addison Grace. Right. And that's all fine and dandy, except every artist needs you to do it. For every song they release. So pretty much like if you are in kind of like the indie music scene, like your entire timeline is just pre-save this song, pre-save this song, pre-save this song. And I'm like, guys, guys, stop, please. I do not want to hear the phrase pre-save Lincoln bio one more time. See, I it's not that I don't support indie artists. It's that I have... My music world is very filled up right now. Sure. And I don't know how to go find more. And the pro- problem I have with TikTok is if I hear it on TikTok, then from now on, when I hear the song, it's going to remind me of TikTok. And that's not what I want. I that's want a song fair. to remind me of like a drive or a vacation or like a time in my life. I don't want it to be like, oh, yeah, I remember this trend. That That's fair. Um, a lot of the artists that I follow typically don't try to make their songs go viral in that sense. It's just like, hey, can you just pre-save the song, please? Like, like it's very much like a this is for music for music's sake type deal. And so I, I, I'm fine with that. And another thing that is weird to me is how people will, like, show, they'll, like, demo their songs or, like, they'll show, they'll basically have, like, previews of their song. And I'm like... Why are you showing me 30 seconds of a three-minute song? Do you know who does this? And it, and it's annoying how much they do it. Charlie Puth, bro. Charlie Puth. G- Dude, this light switch song, he's been teasing for like months now. Yeah. So if you're teasing a song, I need literally 10 seconds. That's also, all. Yeah, because when it came out, we've all already heard it. And we've heard it, f- dude. And the first song that I realized that it happened to was um, Montero, or it was uh, Call oh, Me yeah. By Your Name. Mm-hmm. And so he he had been using that song on TikTok for like three or four months, and he had been using like 45 seconds or sometimes like a full minute of it. And, the, the, and then the song came out, and it was an under three-minute song. And I'm like, this is a good song that I have heard already. <laughs> Another thing I don't like is it ruins the illusion that this song you came up with recently. Yes. And yeah. it's, it's not yeah. real. I know it's not real. Some of these songs that are coming out on an album were finished almost a year ago, if not a year ago. And I get it. It's the same thing. Like, I don't like it when a comedian ruins the illusion that he's done this joke before. I want to feel like you're making it up on the spot. I 100% understand that. So I get that so much. If you go, I did this joke at my last show, or I did this joke a couple months ago. I'm like, wait, you've been doing the same material for that long? Well, of course they have. It makes sense. But I don't like knowing that, you know? It's yeah. like, yeah, I get that my girlfriend has had other boyfriends and kissed and done stuff with them and said, I love you. And they, t- and they meant it. I don't like to think about it. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it'd be crazy for me to think you don't. 
but we don't need to bring it up. So I think that we need to stage a revolution where I honestly don't even know where to begin on this aspect, but just let, hey, I'm going to listen to your song. Just stop asking me to pre-save Lincoln bio. Because yeah, because by the time because by the time one artist stops, another one has jumped in. Like I think literally, I was like, finally, that person has stopped asking me to pre-save, and then another artist had started their pre-save campaign. And I'm like, guys, I know, I know, this is what you have to do. Your management and your label is like pretty much forcing you to do this, but I don't, I don't know how to take it anymore. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's. I don't think people realize that when you, this goes for all artists, music, comedian, actual artists, um, like sports, anyone who puts out promos and ads, if that's the majority of your social media, people will stop paying attention to your social media. 100%. That's how it works. Also, if your social media is links to other social media, like people who use Twitter to link to Instagram, not worth it. Hey, because yeah. you know what I'm just going to do? I'm just going to follow you on Instagram. And that's the end of the day. All right. Are you ready to talk about the movie? Let's do it, man. All right. We are in week two of Decades Month. We have entered the 1940s. And we are here to talk about Casablanca. If you don't want to hear us talk about this movie, we are going to do in-depth spoilers because this movie is 80 years old. You can skip to this time code right here. Time code. 2623. So the 1940s? Are currently 0 for 2. <laughs> they, ooh, man, not, ooh, not, not a fan, fan of this huh? one. Nah. See, I liked it. it. I know. This one is like, it's weird because it's like a political romance movie. So if you're unfamiliar with the concept of this movie, let's break it down real quick. So it takes place during World War II, and a lot of people are like, hey, we need to get to America. So they stop in Morocco. Casablanca, Morocco, and they go from there to America, basically. They use it as kind of like a liaison port. Yeah, nine times out of ten, it's safer than wherever they were coming from. But the problem is a lot of people got held up by various red tapes, and they weren't allowed to leave Casablanca unless they had specific like boarding passes. And it could take people weeks, months, or years to get those. Cut to this saloon that has like that's basically running an an underground gambling ring in it and this guy rick is like just going about his merry business until his former lover who he knew in paris comes in and he's like and she's like hey i'm here with my husband who is i mean by uh, the way you're revealing a lot of the plot that we didn't find out in the source section like, this is found out through the entire thing. We didn't know they met in Paris. We didn't know that they were lovers. We didn't know that she was married. He didn't know she was married. Yeah. And so the the crux of this movie is he has to decide, Rick has to decide, am I going to help my former lover and her current husband escape Casablanca, or do I not care enough? Or do I keep them here? Do I escape with her and leave him here because he's the one the authorities want? Do I not care at all? Listen, bro, this movie is also a play. And I bet you it works better as a play. That Yeah, I agree. Because I think that's most of the old movies is there's not there's rarely any, you know, special effects. Um, there's usually not too many um, sets and uh, locations. So you can probably go back and forth between five places. And especially with these old movies, the costumes aren't super crazy. So it this makes a transition to the stage that's very easy. To be honest, it might have first taken place on the stage. I don't actually know. However, oh, so you weren't talking literally. <laughs> what do you mean? Were you talking literally like it's also a play? No, it's literally also a play. Oh. It has a script. Um, So I'm saying, I don't know which came first, but it definitely is um actually a play. And I think it plays better than that because a lot of these old movies play better than that. Um, uh, The play was first. Yeah. And it makes sense. I totally dig it. Same thing with like Bye Bye Birdie. It makes sense um, as a musical and on stage. And if they want it, same thing with West Side Story. For a lot of the stuff, it transitions well. I think this one doesn't do a bad job. I think it would be, it's not good now because it requires an attention span. Yeah. It's dialogue 
heavy, dude. Very dialogue heavy. And I think it's a cool premise, and I think it's a cool setting. I it, It's just like you said, there's a lot of people talking, and it's just like the stakes don't feel very high until like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Right. I can chalk a lot of that up to Rick not having emotion, and that's literally something everyone talks about. Be like, oh, he doesn't do anything for anyone. Yeah. Like he's out here for himself. That doesn't help emo- like us relating with him. Yeah. So when he misses this girl, when he wants to be with her, he doesn't do anything. And I and I think it's an actor's fault. I think the writing is there. And I know yeah. this guy's super famous. Okay? I get it. And I don't care. Okay? Humphrey Bogart is his name, in case you were curious. Yeah. You've heard the name before. He's kind of a big deal. I'm saying he should have done more. It was it was hard to read his face. It was like this whole thing has like a James Bond Casino Royale deal. Well, this guy yes. runs stuff, dude, and people do what he wants. And he's, a, you know, the boss of stuff. But he's going to break his rules to help out a girl. Very James Bond-esque. Yeah. And, and he doesn't feel the problem with the explanation that you've said is that you can definitely tell that's like the vibe. But he gives he portrays it very like stone cold he doesn't yeah. feel he doesn't feel tough right like he he's he feels written, like a douche yeah he's, he's like written, i'm rich i run stuff i don't do anything for anybody sweet there's this hot girl i have a history with but i don't know how much it means to him because he's written almost kind of like a crime lord where right. he's dealing with the un- with the underground gambling he doesn't usually partake but he does kind of work with the people um forging these boarding passes so like the dude has kind of like mafia boss energy in writing but in delivery he's just there <laughs> And what's annoying, and this is how I know it's not the writing, and I know it tran- it's supposed to translate well, is he's saying things like, I missed you. I should have never left. How did you make me do that? And I'm like, yeah, dude, make me feel something because I'm not feeling anything. And to be honest, I think Victor Laszlo, the, her husband, we find out, is acting the best he can. He seems like yes. a great guy. So much so that I'm like. What do you see in Rick? <laughs> He's played by, I mean, Victor's played by a guy named Paul Henry. And that guy is dope. I'm like, yeah, man, it, you don't need this scumbag Rick. Victor sounds dope, to be honest with you. And I think that's purely the actors. Like one of them is straight up more likable. And I think it is a great romance story. I think it's fire. It's dialogue heavy, which just doesn't exist anymore. Like it, it happens, but it's not very um, digestible. Like you need to know what you're getting. It's so film and not enough movie for a lot of people. There's one line that I think boils down like Humphrey Bogart's not great acting is it's a very famous line where he says, we'll always have Paris, but he says it so offhandedly. It's like, oh, this is supposed to be famous. It's gross. Also, there's a scene where he's getting drunk because he realizes I can't have her. She's married, whatever. And he says, of all the gin joints in all the towns, in all the world, she walks into mine. Let me tell you, he doesn't sound drunk and depressed and lovelorn. He sounds drunk. (laughs) And I'm like, I know what you said means you miss her and you love her and you wish this could work out. But what it came off as is you drunk dialed somebody. Yes, yeah. And you are just looking for someone to sleep with. That's what it feels like. And I feel like people who do this in theater, who have to overact, who have to have more expression and inflection to have it portray on stage, would have killed it. Yeah, oh yeah. And this guy's got some dope lines, by the way. His dialogue with people is fire. Um, Like, another one is, what is your nationality? He goes, I'm a drunkard. And then someone else goes, that makes Rick a citizen of the world. Um, another one. Where were you last night? That's not so long ago. I don't remember. Or that's so long ago, I don't remember. And they go, will I see you tonight? And he goes, I never make plans that far ahead. Like, it's just, this writing is fire, dude. It's so good. And I just don't like how he's doing it. And so uh, another part of this movie is, like, Rick is supposed to have a sympathetic past. Like, he aids rebels trying to overthrow dictatorships and he is like and and it's said a million times 
Rick roots for the underdog. He has a sentimental side. But like it just it just doesn't come across. And it it it, it doesn't come across so hard that it almost feels annoying every time they bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> like we it, get it. And listen, bro, this movie on IMDb is top 50. It's number 49. It won three Oscars, and it won the big ones. Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Writing. It was also nominated for five other ones. So this movie's dope, and I honestly think it is. But there's a reason this guy did not win Best Actor in a Leading Role, even though he was nominated. (laughs) It was disappointing. Also, this dude's supposed to be 32. Oh, he... (laughs) Dude, okay. I actually wrote this down because it was so off-putting. Like, it, it took me out of the movie. He, Rick is supposed to be 37. The actor is actually 43, but he looks in his 50s. Yes. And I think that that is something that took me out of it even past the acting. Is like, I don't know if I like romance movies about people past their 30s. Yeah, I don't know. I'm cool with the A lot of stuff takes place in the 30s. But what ends up happening is when you have a relationship that's going on in the 50s, the whole time I'm thinking, you know better, right? Yeah. You're not a teenager. You know this is, let's be let's be responsible adults here. And maybe that's why I don't like adult romance movies is because they all have to, they, they, there's a suspension of disbelief that I don't have in adult romance movies. Where if it's a young adult romance movie or like someone in their 20s, it's like, okay, we have time to like, play around and goof off and there's like a there's a sporadic energy to uh, a romance movie about people in their 20s but once you get people in their 30s and 40s it's like all right i have to go to work today and yeah. i'm like this is this isn't fun i know like, this the movie thing is, is cool. i know that's real life adults just because they're older don't make good decisions especially when it comes to relationships but it's kind of one of those things in hollywood that we are all on the same page Let's have a little fun with it. Let's have a little fun when we're younger. When we get older, we're smart. That's why, like, in movies, we trust the old wise guy giving advice to the young guy. Of course, a lot of times, that old wise guy might just be dumb. But in movies, we realized we trust that guy. So, that was annoying. I do want to shout out this movie, because it came out in 1942. The movie takes place in 1942. And it talks about the Nazis. Yeah. And has Nazis in it. In the middle of the real life war, World War II. Yeah, definitely. Coming out with a movie about 9 11 while 9 11 is happening. (laughs) So, yeah, I definitely agree. Like, it's this movie very definitely takes a stand. Like, almost to the point where you're like, should they have said that? (laughs) It feels real weird, bro. And, and like, the vibe of the 40s was like, even though we're in the war, like there was no political division. Like no one in America was like, huh, maybe we, maybe the Nazis were the good guys, obviously. But we're just like, it feels weird now watching them just be like, we don't care. We're going to kick down these Nazis. It was, it's just one of those things. I'm like, hey, this is too soon. It's just, yeah, <laughs> it's still happening. There were there were people still in concentration camps when this movie came out. Like yeah, Hitler and, was still alive. He probably saw this movie. And they're using concentration camps as like a threat. Yeah. As like it's, a playful threat. It's one of those things that like, well, you can't stay behind. You'll go to the camps. I'm like, first of all, let's not just say that. Okay. People, millions and millions of people have died. And you know that. Okay. Second thing, you know, what? I don't, I'm, I don't know. But it, I guess they try to redeem it by most of the Nazis in this movie are actually Jews. And the main guy served uh, a year in a concentration camp. He's a survivor. So I think that's how they got away with like, listen, man, we're not actually trying to support the Nazis. Hey, but also if you make a movie about the Nazis, don't make them this okay. They made it feel like Nazis are just corrupt cops. Yeah, and a lot of them were, like, real negotiable. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> they're like, all right, all right, you win this time. I'm like, I bet you Nazis were not like, okay, 
That's I'll, fine. I'll turn the other cheek. Yeah, there were there was a there's a time when they're singing like the German national anthem, or maybe it's for Nazis. I really don't know enough about them. And then they go in and instead sing the French national album, uh, national anthem because um, Morocco is a French colony. I will say, if you interrupt Nazi singing, there should be more consequences than bummer that interrupt our singing. If Quentin Tarantino has taught us anything other than how to pose a girl's foot, it's that Nazis were ruthless. Yeah, this guy should be real mean, and they seem like they're on vacation, which they might have been. Uh, it was just off-putting, man. It was, it bothered me. Um, even for liking this movie, I'm like, um, these guys are dogs, man. They're dogs. I- it's like watching a movie and, like, the KKK isn't that bad. And I'm like, mm, they're pretty rough. They're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. So let's let's make them bad. Okay. Um, I moving on a little bit, I did not really care so much for Ilsa. Il Ilsa. Uh, I loved her. She was dope. I think she did everything perfectly. I mean, I just I think it kind of comes back to the whole like what do you see in this guy type deal. Where oh, yeah. that's fair. Uh, where I felt like her motivation just was not fun to watch because it, it was weird because she had her husband. She knew her husband. She was married before she even met Rick. And then when she found out that her husband was alive, she went back to her husband. But then she runs into Rick again. And now she's like, huh, maybe Is Walking not. Dead based off of this movie? Walking Dead? Yeah, because this happened. This exact same thing happened. Oh, okay. I, oh, I haven't watched. I thought you were dead. Oh, I'm gonna go yeah, be yeah, with yeah. this guy, and happen there just happens to be a Rick in this. <laughs> oh yeah. Turns out <laughs> he's not dead. Let's pretend this didn't happen. You're putting me in a real awkward position, and uh, you know there's dire consequences. So if you've seen season one of The Walking Dead and possibly season two, you've no, you've seen this movie. Um, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think she was dope. I liked her a lot because I think in the beginning, it was one of those things where she was like, leave me alone, dude. I don't want any part of this. Um, and I think that's a very realistic expectation for a fling you had a couple years ago. Yes. Yeah, um, very like, much. Hey, let's be grownups. It's over. And then this guy is just relentless. And she's like, okay, I love you. Is that what you want to hear? And he goes, you're playing me because you want stuff. She goes, no, it's real. (laughs) And then I think she actually believes it. They kiss. And at the end, for her to save face, he tells him, hey, just so you know, nothing ever happened recently. Like, (laughs) she's just doing it. She just flirted with me and all that stuff so she could save your life, which is not true. But it was nice of him to give him a peace of mind. Yeah, all of Rick's characterization, like, comes to a point in the last 20 minutes. Oh, like, yeah, because he's a different dude in the last 20 minutes. And that's kind of the saving grace of this movie for me. Like, I, it, uh, this movie was rough for me to get through. I had real difficulties getting through this. But in the last 20 minutes, when it's like, all right, let's make some action. Let's do something. Let's let's put your money where your mouth is. That's when I'm like, all right, all right. Now I'm now I'm picking up what you're putting down. It's just unfortunate that it took us an hour and 15 minutes for us to get here. Yeah, dude. I, I just realized when I started this, I'm like, it's a black and white movie. These people are famous. This is 100% going to be way more film than movie. And then I just bought into it. Um, I would, I will say this and I've said it before. I would much rather see this live in theater. Sure. And I think it would be way better for our, for our listeners to do the same thing because the movie might lose you. If you're in a theater, you're not on your phone. You just pay attention to dialogue and the actors are real and expressing emotion. This would be a breeze. Yeah. And and I do want to say that (laughs) there are black and white movies. There are dialogue heavy 40s 50s movies that i do enjoy like 12 angry men i think is a masterpiece in movie making we might have to swing that around next year sure um 
but I don't know. There was just something I, I just didn't care for this one. I think it was like the, the romance element. I didn't like Rick much at all. So I, I think this movie was just weak in a lot of aspects that, like you said, might be remedied in a different medium. So if you had to give it a rating, which we have to, cause that's kind of the premise of the podcast. Um, I don't know, like a five and a half. I'm giving it a seven and three quarters. Whoo, mama. All right. I know this is film. I know it's old. It's getting a lot of slack because it's one of the first ones to do it. Um, And I think this movie dropped the ball when they cast Humphrey Bogart, which is going to be crazy because I know a lot of people when this first came out saw it because he was in it. Yeah. Um, I just think it could have been played better. And I think everything else, when you take him out of it, was good about this movie. Yeah. And I don't want to write Humphrey Bogart off as an actor if this is the first one that I've seen. Uh, I just think I need to see him in a more exciting movie. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, he's dead, so he's not going to come out with any more stuff. And this yeah, is I his know, but I meant pill. like I meant like the Maltese Falcon and stuff like that, or the African Queen. I'm sure that's not freaking pra- um, pragmatic at all. Not pragmatic. What's problematic? The there we go. I mean, it might be pragmatic. Who knows? But I can guarantee you I'm not going to see it. All right. Alex, are you ready for our improv segment? Let's do it. Okay. So we haven't done this one in a minute. This is kind of one of my favorite ones. Uh, This one is called sentencing hearing, or at least I think that's what it's called, where uh, we're going to be in the middle of a sentencing hearing. You're going to plea your case one last time for a crime that you committed to try to lower the sentence that the judge is about to give you. This one's called plea bargain. Plea bargain. That's one. What That's what it's called. I knew that. Um, Alex, would you like to defend yourself first or would you like to be the judge first? Um, I'll be the judge first. All right. What was my crime? Um, Reckless endangerment of a child. Okay. You... Um, Left your kid in the car and went in um, to buy cigarettes. <laughs> okay. And, yeah. And uh, just struck up a conversation and you didn't leave the car running. And you've been talking to this guy for like 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. I got you. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen of the judge, I would like to say, first, let me set the scene. July 2019. I have entered the Kmart trying to get a package of cigarettes and I leave my two-year-old child in my Tesla branded vehicle. Now, if we remember correctly, Teslas have a feature that are basically, this is me leaving my kid in the car, locks the door, leaves the AC running, has its favorite song playing. This is a feature of a Tesla. I will stop you there before you get too far. That features for dogs. Don't break the window because my dog is in an AC car. Not children. You left your child alone in a car. But, a two-year-old, no less. But but do people not treat their pets with the same decency that they treat their children? As well, I it care- depends. Calling to the stand, Michael Vick. Okay, no. Well, he was busy today, thank goodness. Um, so if I may continue my explanation. Sure, continue. Uh what I did forget is that Teslas have a battery life of about 17 minutes, especially back in 2019. Right. So I go inside, I get my Tesla branded cigarettes from this Kmart, mm-hmm. and who do I see at the checkout aisle? Elon Musk. So this was back before he was still like halfway decent in the public eye you know he had just made his appearance on uh on pewdiepie's channel so i'm like what a relatable billionaire i'm gonna strike up a conversation with him so i so so i purchased my tesla branded cigarettes i i light one i offer him a drag he says no it's not good for my health then he took the longest rip from his personal vape that i've ever seen in my entire life like i didn't know humans could have that much lung capacity Mm -hmm. and you know we started talking and uh next thing i knew cps was in the kmart Right. Uh, we've been introducing a new roving child protective officer. I believe who, the word you're looking for is roaming. No, they're rovers. Okay. They're dogs. Okay. 
And they sniff out children in parking lots, much like a bomb in an airport, because children have a specific scent. Okay, Um, real quick, I do want to talk. Why do we have separate words for roving and roaming? Are they not the same thing? (laughs) I think roaming is leaving bounds, and roving is like surveying and uh, pacing the area. All right, I withdraw my objection. Well, first of all, you withdraw your objection, your honor. Um, second, when our rover, Red Rover, found your baby girl. Did he come right over? Well, as I said, baby girl, she was knocking on the window, screaming, and this is pretty impressive for a two-year-old, help me, help me, my father didn't turn on the AC, instead, he's talking about meeting with Elon Musk, who he tracked to this Kmart. All right. I would like to defend myself. Sure. I taught my daughter that phrase. However, I did teach her to say that about her mother. Her, her mother and I have been in a very long and arduous divorce process. And I thought if I could teach my child one particularly damning phrase that I would win the case. So, Clearly, I have put myself in a completely different bucket of hot water, but I still think I have the upper hand vis-a-vis my divorce hearing. I will say, um, I happen to be scheduled to have your divorce hearing next Ooh, week. Oh, that's... That would be uh, me. And my I- brother, under no conflict of interest, is your wife's divorce lawyer. Oh, awesome. Can I get, I would like to file a lot of different motions. Um, would like to say your plea has been decided. Um, you will be pleading guilty. We're not giving you an option. (laughs) And your sentence shall be 30 months in pedophile prison. Okay. Didn't know that was a different prison. Also, I would like to say, I don't think my crime justifies me being put in there. Listen. Listen. Hold on. All perpetrators of child crimes are pedophiles to me. And if you don't shape up, I'm going to have our bailiff take care of you. Cox gun. Oh, my God. That, that judge had, I would say, a personal agenda. Some might say there's some baggage there that he'll work out later. Uh, All right, you ready to sentence me for whatever crime you? Yeah, say I think I uh, may or may not have committed. You got caught selling counterfeit watches. Oh. No, you got caught making the counterfeit watches. Sweet. Um. Yes, Mister Good. Uh, would you like to explain yourself? Yes, Rolex, Omega, Citizen, and Casio have all stolen my idea. And um, Your idea they also being stole my name. Watches? Yes. I might not look like it, but I'm very old and I'm the inventor. And not only am I inventor, my full name is Rolex Omega. <laughs> um, um, uh, Casio uh, Casio Yamaha. Um, uh, so Samsung. Uh, they not only stole my designs. But they stole my name. So really, I want them in this courtroom. Okay, well, you know that's not happening for a multitude of reasons. Number one being, that's not true. The whole name thing. Because I am looking at every birth certificate printed for you since the day of your birth. None of which having any watch brand similarities on it. Listen, um, I changed. I will. Excuse me, Your Honor. I would like to say. Uh, that, actually, it's Your Honor. You got to put some. Actually, on that Your H. Honor. So watches have been around for a long time. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. When they first came out, my birth certificate was written on parchment, which was lost in the Chicago fire in the early 1900s. So now I had to get a new one, and as you might imagine, having six names. Makes it a little tricky to find business. So I changed it to Alex for short. And um, here we are. So, I mean, it's not really my fault. I couldn't get another birth certificate because the records, obviously, on parchment and scrolls. There weren't really backups. So here I am, just completely taken advantage of by big watches. Okay. So that's 
we're going to, you know what? I'm going to file that under a separate motion. Thank you. But we do need to focus on the sweatshop counterfeit watch factory that you had running in. Let me check your third cousin's basement. Okay. In my defense for that one, none of these kids wanted to attend school anyway. Whoa, so I did not know they were kids. All right. This is a new development. Well, the Carry tricky on. thing about watches is you need to have very good eyes and very small fingers. Now, that is a very specific part of the population, and I definitely don't employ little people. So instead, <laughs> I got second graders. All right. So, and, um, and not only is teaching second graders very difficult to do, but you would be very surprised on the amount of little people that are running Big Watch right now. They were upset. They unionized. So, all right. So, now we have uh, another motion for discrimination, which I'm going to file Listen, away here as well. All I'm saying is I can't afford the lawsuits. So, 8-year-olds um who didn't go- who weren't going to attend school anyway. I only um hired the 8-year-olds who were being neglected from their parents. So I'm giving them a safe workplace. There's no dangerous materials in a watch factory, just a bunch of small parts, which they're old enough to know not to eat. I provide them breakfast, lunch, and dinner, a place to stay, and some wages. All right. full benefits. Well, since there's no documentation of any sort of residency for these children. Well, like uh, I said, that man, also burned I up I would really the love Chicago to get fire. a full sentence out here in this court hearing. Listen, I'm- <laughs> Your Honor, you got to hear me out, man. If I, I'm gonna file you for obstruction. What is it? It's not obstruction of justice when it's in the court. It's something contempt. else. Yeah, contempt. Thank you. I know way too much about the court system. Um, it's all my time watching Suits and SVU. Anyway, I've decided that your sentence, while you may have helped these children, still went about it the completely wrong way. So we're. I'm gonna give you. Three to six months in pedophile prison. First of all, seems fair to me. I'm sure whatever judge you worked with to come up with that sentence was a completely reasonable person. And I take that sentence wholeheartedly. I plead guilty. All right. So this week's middle segment is called Permanent Good Private Eye or PGPE. It comes in two parts. First part is interrogation. Second part is deduction. Why would you not? Why would it not be PGPI? Because PI is already PI. You do, hey, you do know that I isn't I, right? I stands for investigation? No, private I stands for I, because you have one. It wouldn't make sense for us to be private investigator. Okay. Jeez, oh, peas, and I didn't know that. So, <laughs> I, I had a momentary lapse in judgment. Um, This comes in two parts, interrogation and the deduction. I have a series of questions that might seem unconnected and random but I am getting extremely valuable information from you. Also, so is our audience. I will then use this information to deduce a highly accurate and specific revelation about you, and you will not know what I'm trying to find out. How come all of your middle segments feel like a target, a targeted attack on me? Well, we'll find out. I will say none of these questions will get you in trouble. Okay. Um, think this test is like a mixture of Myers-Briggs meets like Sherlock Holmes. And at the end, I will tell you something about yourself you didn't know. I want to say real quick, the last time we did something like this, you scoured through my social media to kind of just like flame me on my cringy social media posts. But here's the thing. I can't do that back to you. And I think about that frequently where I'd be like, man, that'd be kind of fun to do to Alex, except his social media presence is small and boring. Yes. And I like it that way. So here we go. Permanent good. Private eye. Your first question. What is your top three favorite birds? Budgies, Conyers, Cardinals. Interesting. Let me see if I can do this for ASMR purposes. Budgies, what was that? Conyers. Conyers and Cardinals. Yes. Okay, next question. You're going to cut most of that out. I already know. Yes. How often do you floss? Only when necessary. Ooh, interesting. How often would you estimate it is necessary? Not very. Only when things get stuck in there. Interesting. How often do you change wallets? Um, I have had my current wallet for five years. 
And do you carry your social security card in your wallet? No. Okay. How um how many keys are on your keychain? Um four. And what are they used for? Car, house, apartment, personal room. Interesting. What is the coolest thing about your mom? My co- the coolest thing about my mom is that her and I exchange our daily Wordle scores. Okay. What is your go-to dance move? The Charleston. Learned that one in Thoroughly Modern Millie, and it's stuck with me ever since. What did you want to be when you grew up when you were about 10 years old? I wanted to be a teacher, I think, when I was 10. Okay. What makes other people cry but not you? I don't cry at books. I know other people that will cry at books. I haven't cried at a book since I was in, like, middle school. Interesting. What is your favorite unreasonable and and or unattainable car? What a great question. Um, I think I would want... I, I see here's the thing that this is where my frame of reference kind of goes out the window because I'm very bad at cars. The the unreasonable and, unobta- and unattainable would just be like any new car. I would probably want an electric car. So mm-hmm. like any new electric car. I'm just going to put that out there. Okay. Rank these five beverages. Orange juice, lemonade, beer, coffee, and tea. Lemonade, orange juice, tea, coffee, beer. From top to bottom. Okay, Craig. I'm going to tell you that you are the Pacific Ocean. Okay. And I'll tell you where I got that from through my deductive reasoning. Top three birds. I only knew what two of those are. Which so, two? Um, the budgie and the cardinal. Okay. So, that basically means... You're, you're going to be something that most people are familiar with. However, there's the entire East Coast that probably never see the Pacific Ocean. Okay. Also contributes to this. How often do you floss? Sometimes. There are many people on the West Coast who just don't go to the ocean. We grew up around Lake Michigan. We win all the time. But some people just don't go to the Pacific Ocean. How often do you change wallets? Every five years. Similarly, how often do they experience earthquakes around the same time? Now... You don't carry your social security card on you, which means should you move to experience the Pacific Ocean, you will not be a victim to identity theft. (laughs) How many keys are on your wallet? (laughs) On your keychain? I didn't write down this answer. You said apartment, house, car. And personal, in my bedroom. In your bedroom. Well, that's very similar to the Pacific Ocean because, because... Okay, so, hey, audience, let me break down this bit already. I know exactly what happened. What happened is Alex had a predetermined answer. He went into this bit knowing that he was going to say, I have deduced that you are the Pacific Ocean. And every time I gave an answer, his brain was frantically scurrying, like that scene in SpongeBob where all the files are burning, trying to figure out how on earth do I connect what he just said to the Pacific Ocean. Now, here's the thing. He came up with all these questions. He could have given himself a little more wiggle room. But no, he asked me if I keep my social security card in my wallet. <laughs> so, so, Alex, your please continue. Is the Charleston. Now, we all know <laughs> that the two Charlestons that I know of are in West Virginia and South Carolina, neither of which are anywhere close to the Pacific Ocean, which means... You have a major in the Pacific Ocean and a minor in the Mississippi River. Now, what did you want to be when you grew up when you were 10 years old? Well, let me tell you, teaching, although is very underpaid, currently in the U.S., the highest paid teacher salary is in Alaska, also on the Pacific Ocean. Okay. What makes other people cry, but not... Um, but not you. Books. Well, people on the West Coast can't read. And um, what's the coolest thing about your mom? I wasn't paying attention when you said that. So that files perfectly in the Pacific Ocean because. And um, favorite unreasonable car, electric. As we all know, Silicon Valley, West Coast, Pacific Ocean. And favorite thing to drink, 
OJ, well, oh, I actually said lemonade. Lemonade and OJ, citrus, grows natively, West Coast, Pacific Ocean. You're welcome. I'm Sherlock Holmes. Thank you for paying attention for our middle segment, Permanent Good, Private Eye, PGPE. Join <laughs> us next you. time when one of us deduces to the highest level something the other person has never even thought about. Thank you for paying attention. Apparently more than Alex did. Dude, <laughs> 10 questions and 10 answers. I couldn't write it down fast enough. I really couldn't. I was just like, I'll remember, right? Hey, you it's know hard, I edit it's this, It's hard right? being Sherlock Holmes, bro. I, now I know why there's only one of them. Okay. Well, we're going to move on to our one-hit wonder. Uh, this is a segment we do once, and no matter if it succeeds or bombs, we are never coming back to it. This is called The Gauntlet of Weird. Uh, we're going to pit two things against each other, and whichever wins, we'll move on to the next weird thing. I'm coming up with these on the fly, uh, so just bear with me. Um, Alex, what is weirder? Um, never throwing away cardboard boxes or, um, having a collection of antique lighting equipment. Oh, definitely that one. Antique lighting, that's so weird, bro. All right. What's weirder, having a collection of antique lighting equipment or having Star Wars bedspread in your 30s? Antique lighting equipment. Let me tell you right now. That is going to be very hard to beat. All right. What's weirder, having antique lighting equipment or keeping your significance blood in a necklace around your neck? Antique lighting equipment. Wow. Okay. Um, do you have one? What? Okay. So what would be weirder? Um, incest. Okay. Well, um, okay. Well, all right. Anything involving neutering animals by hand. Like just feeling like you should take care of that yourself. <laughs> do you mean like uh, uh, do you mean like professionally or just as a hobby? Just being like, man, I don't need to take my dog to the vet. I think I can figure it out. You know, other people when they feel unfulfilled in life, they start a podcast. Me, I go around offering my neighbors to neuter their cats and dogs. <laughs> yeah, so I would say uh, neutering your own pets. Pretty okay, weird. Okay, what's weirder, neutering your own pets or having an intricate shrine to a celebrity? Neutering your own pets, bro. Okay, neutering your own pets or having an intricate shrine to someone who's not a celebrity? Neutering your own pets. Wow, all right. Would you rather, because here's what you just asked me. If I walked into a stranger's house, which would freak me out more? A shrine to his neighbor, and I'm not even sure that's his neighbor. And he has like some private details about them. Or when I walk in, he goes, don't worry about uh, Cujo. He's neutered. I would know I did it myself. (laughs) Okay, but if somebody just like offered me that piece of information, I'd be like, oh, he knows how to do that. Cool. Good for him. But if I walked into someone, do you remember that episode of iCarly when uh, they're in their teacher's house and their teacher has a shrine to Randy Jackson in their closet and they spend the entire episode in said closet? That was like kind of like a point of no return for that character. Right. I feel like that changes someone's demeanor. If if I found out that somebody knew how to neuter an animal versus someone took the time to make a shrine to let's, someone. Let's not get it twisted. We don't know if this person knows how to do it. I'm just saying this person does. It. If the animal's still alive, I'm going to assume they figured it out. Man, you are setting the bar low. <laughs> if the dog survives, it's Okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think the, I think all the above is pretty weird. Um, let's do a, just a random one V one highlight reel. What did you come up with? Take a couple seconds to come up with the weirdest thing you can think of to see if it can be the weirdest thing I've ever thought of. Here we go. All right. I got mine. Okay. I have kind of a weird, uh, this one is that's literally the point. Okay. (laughs) Having, having fan blades as tire spikes. Okay. Like, like on the spoke or like on the what is it called? The rim of the tire? Not is that what? Yeah, the, on the rim yeah, of the tire. Okay, okay. Instead of having spikes, you have fan blades. <laughs> is that weirder than dedicating your life to the research of the connection between poison ivy and gonorrhea? Huh. I would say that mine is we. Anytime you do scientific research, that's I would say that's like it might be unexpected. 
but not weird, right? I think weird has a sort of like unsettling edge to it. But what you just said would kind of be unexpected and it might be fruitless, but <laughs> I love you like, listen, the science hasn't come out yet. It might be fruitless. <laughs> it might not. We don't know. <laughs> and regardless of if it's successful or not, I still think, hey, you made a scientific effort and I respect that. I think you should put this out a poll on our Twitter okay. and see what the what the listeners think. All right. <laughs> it's going to come out before this episode comes out. No, I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait. So they're just confused. <laughs> okay, we'll wait and we'll see what they think. Because I'm very interested for this final boss battle, which they think is weirder. And I'm also going to personally text all of my friends just to be like, hey, bear with me on this one. <laughs> also, don't tell them who said what. Okay, it's yeah. It's not fair. <laughs> Um. Yeah, man. So that, that was, was a pretty good. Uh, one hit wonder. It's never coming back. So if you liked it, sucks to suck. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh. So here's what I have for the free balling segment. I have two things. One. Um. I've talked briefly to you about this, but uh, I'm playing through all the Halo games on Legendary, and I am currently on mission twelve of fifteen of Halo Two. I completed Halo One, and now I'm on Halo Two. And man. Oh, man. I, here's the thing. I, I definitely feel I am getting better at the video game. <laughs> However, when I hit a wall, I hit a wall hard. And it, ooh, sometimes it just hurts. D- was it just, like, difficult? Does it seem impossible? Or do you know it's possible you just can't do it? I just, I know it's possible. It's it's one of those things where I, there are just some checkpoints where I have to accept the fact that I'm going to die over and over and over again just so I can learn the patterns of the, of the battles. And I, sometimes I have to do this for every single room I walk into. Oof. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, all right. So I know that this beam rifle is going to kill me unless I get to him first. But if I kill that beam rifle, then that brute is going to be alerted to my presence. And then that elite is going to throw a plasma grenade. So I have to make sure to take a step back and then I can throw my plasma grenade so it can get distracted. And I have to do that like three or four times at least a level. And that gets exhausting. (laughs) Good grief, dude. See, I give up my barrier for playing a game is I uh, granted you're going for something. There's a goal here. Yes. Mine's just to have fun. So when the fun stops, so do I. And I'm, and I am having fun with it. Like there are certain levels where even though it's challenging, it's fun. Like most driving levels are a little bit easier just by the nature of the challenge. And, and I'm still able to have fun with that. Um, and there are some gunfights that I'm still having fun with. It's just every now and then I hit a wall and it's like, it's frustrating. The other thing is, uh, I've caught up on Nightwing comics as far as I can. And so I've gone back and then I started reading some Batgirl comics and I am just a sucker for a good comic book romance. Like Nightwing, like Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon is my personal comic book OTP. I love mm-hmm. them so much, but they never all comic book writers for some reason don't like they like the concept of the will they won't they more than the relationship. They like um putting them in awkward situations where it's like we're friends, but every now and then we have to acknowledge our history. They like acknowledging the history more than they like putting them in a relationship. And I'm like, "No." They work so well that give me something. Give me yeah. something to work with. It's I'm I've reached the point in the blacklist where that's happening. And it's making me very upset. Because these people have no chemistry at all. It's so forced. And I'm like, this will they won't they is making me angry. But I know like some people watch shows for that. They're like, I need to know what happens. I am not that way, bro. I will okay, so I've watched two movies, and both of them were not bad. Okay. I watched The King's Man. Yep. Which I remember you saying some things about it. Um, however, it was many, many moons ago. Yes. This I movie, said, what, what did you say? And I'm sure I agree with you. I said it was my least favorite, but still good. Yes. That holds up for me. Also, this is way more war movie than I thought. 
Yes, that was the is it is very much a Kingsman movie in the style of a war movie, but like the Kingsman moments still shine. Yes, I will say that I'm not going to do spoilers because it just got released on HBO and I know people are going to watch it. There is a part where you're like, why did they do that? It's like shooting the momentum of the movie in the foot, like in the chest, really. And you're just like, wait, what? So something happens and then you have to deal with the rest of the movie. And let me tell you, the rest of the movie is good, but it would have been better if that incident didn't happen. Yeah, I there's, don't, there's I don't an, know how they would have gotten around it, but it killed the momentum. There's 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 an energy shift is the best way to put it. Like something happens to a character that just changes the energy of the movie and it goes in the direction it needs to go, but definitely at a sacrifice. I, yeah. I, I, and agree. I don't, I think most people will agree the sacrifice wasn't worth it. Yeah. Like it was, uh, it was for the plot, not because it needed to happen. Um, chemistry wise, or it made sense for the conflict. No, we needed to get here. And the only way to get here was for this to happen, even if it shouldn't have happened. So it felt wrong. However, I will say pretty good movie. Pretty good. In the sevens, I would say. If you like Kingsman movies, this would be pretty good. It's not real, but it holds a lot of very real people in it. There are a lot of real instances in it. Incidents and instances in it. Um, so you'll, if you know even a little bit about history in World War One, it'll ring true. Second movie, Free Guy, Ryan Reynolds. Pretty good. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it. That was like the first movie that came out when I started working at my movie theater where I was like, I really need to get around to seeing it, but just like never did. It's GTA the movie. Yeah. And I I liked it because it was GTA the movie. Also, he's playing Ryan Reynolds because yes, Ryan Reynolds is Ryan expected. Reynolds in the movie. And um, if you like Ryan Reynolds, you will like this movie. If you don't like Ryan Reynolds, you won't like this movie. Thankfully, I like him. Um, I also know he can act. So there's parts where he's not himself. Um, but he's very endearing. Of course, like how I know a movie has a, a solid female character is if I have a crush on them <laughs> because I cannot develop a crush on a person who doesn't feel real. She felt real enough. Now, granted yeah. they ruined it in the last 10 minutes. Awesome. Love that's it. That's okay. Like I'm like, it's going to be fine. Um, it's not a great movie. They knew that when they made it, there's lots of cameos, lots of callbacks, lots of references. Um, I, w- I said lots of cameos. There's a couple cameos, but there's lots of references. I think it's good enough. Um, it's GTA the movie. You get what you get. Um, nothing super crazy to say about it. Both of these are available. Um, I think Free Guy is on HBO Max and Disney Plus. Kingsman is just on HBO Max. There you go. Go check them out. I I, I would recommend them. Next week we are watching Streetcar Named Desire. And uh, part it's came out in the 50s, so it's in the 50s of our decades month. I'm very excited. I really like going through these classics. I know we're 0 for 2 personally for me right now, and the 40s themselves were 0 for 2. But the 50s is usually where they turn it around. So I'm excited for this one. Do what's crazy is we're in the 50s now, and we're going to be doing the 60s and 70s. The 50s is still 70 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm also walking around thinking these movies you have to cut them slack. Yeah. Like cuz no one 100% agrees with the opinions of their parents. And be honest, <laughs> yeah. even in the last movie we watched Casablanca, I'm like, "Hey, there's no slaves in this movie." <laughs> because there could have been, even though it took place in the 40s and slaves were outlawed. There should have been some racial thing. There should have been. Gone with the wind was, oh boy. The 30s. I was expecting that level of energy in this. And they're like, no, actually my friend's black. And I'm like, well, this is weird. Yeah. The fact that there is a prominent black character and the worst thing they say about him is I don't like his friend is astounding. Yeah. I'm like, segregation was still a thing. Everyone was going different places. I'm surprised this guy was on set. To be honest, he probably didn't get paid very much. But I will say- um, the fifties still going to have some controversial opinions. It's still racist. So f- this tends to show a little bit of that racism than it does, but the fifties is still a long time ago. I'm going to cut these movies some slack. All right. Well, uh, until next week, my name is Craig Wells, AKA permanent handle. And I'm Alex good, AKA Alex good. 
Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.